0: what's going on everybody so I want to let everybody know about my new merch brand okay so I just got one of my new t-shirts that came in yesterday the reason why I created this brand was because I wanted everybody to think about allowing the stock market to pay for everything that you need so if you want to go on vacation this summer or go on vacation later this year don't pay for it trade for it if you need to pay for your daughter's tuition Don't pay for it, trade for it. If you want to get an investment property, a beach house, or whatever your life truly desires, don't pay for it, trade for it. If this is a brand that you want to be a part of, that you want to rock, look. Go to www.tradeforyourself.com, click catalog, and go look at the products that I have. On top of that, I've got free shipping on all orders. So this is the perfect opportunity for you to rock up on a t-shirt like this. Look, remember, don't pay for it. Trade for it. I'm going to catch y'all later on the other side. What's going on, everybody? what's going on hope everybody is doing well we are back at it again with another episode shout out to the people right shout out to the people shout out to the people that have been supporting the trade for yourself podcast community the people who have been continuing to tap in with me and Really, truly understand what the mission is. The mission is to really, truly help people build wealth, help people make wealth a priority for our lives, okay? So I thank you all for that. Please reach out to me on the check-in. I would really, truly appreciate that. But let's not waste any more time. You know, welcome back to another episode of the Trade for Yourself podcast, where my mission here is still very simple. I wanna help you learn how to trade and invest in the stock market for yourself. So please like, please subscribe, please make sure you hit that notification bell. So every time I come on here, you will be able to get the information that you need and get that notification right to your phone, to your MacBook, to your iPad, whatever you wanna call it. Please like the video, please like the video. It will help me in the algorithm And it will help me reach out to other people. And before we even get started, I have to say thank you to the community. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am now over 100 subscribers on YouTube for the Trade for Yourself podcast. And I appreciate everybody who has tapped in. I appreciate everybody who has subscribed, who has supported, because this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning for getting people to understand that building wealth is very, very important and it should be a priority in in your lives. So I just thank you for all of that. And this isn't going to stop, right? This this is not going to stop. We're going to continue to keep going. So thank y'all for tapping into the Trade for Yourself podcast. Now, remember t-shirts don't pay for a trade for a merch please please purchase a t-shirt from me please go to www.tradeforyourself.com we've got multiple colors on there and look we've got free shipping on all orders so this is an opportunity for you, for you to be able to collect shirts without having to pay for the shipping again free shipping on all orders so i thank you all for tapping in now in this episode inflation has peaked, right? Inflation has peaked and the stocks ripped higher today, right? The S&P 500 was up over 2% today. I'm not exactly sure how much the NASDAQ was up, but we're going to look at some charts today. And so the first thing that we got to do is we got to put this inflation number into perspective about what we think the market is going to be continuing to do moving forward. So Let me go ahead and share my screen and get everything set up. Again, I thank you guys again for getting me over that 100 subscriber mark. Just please like the video. Please like the video. Subscribe. All right. Now, so the first thing we're going to go through here today, we're going to go through the consumer price index, right? Because this is the measure of headline inflation, right? So let's go ahead and go through this, right? Consumer prices rose 8.5% in July, less than expected as inflation pressures ease a bit. Okay. Now, the consumer price index rose 8.5% in July from a year ago below expectations, due largely to slumping energy prices, right? And also commodity prices as well. Excluding volatile food and energy prices, so called core CPI rose 5.9% annually and 0.3% monthly, compared with respective estimates of 6.1% and 0.5%. The report was good news for workers who saw a 0.5% monthly increase in real wages. Now, also, this past Friday, to put this this into perspective, this past Friday, there were over 528,000 jobs that were created for the economy, and the unemployment rate was 3.5%. That is historically low. That means that if you want to get a job right now, you can get it, okay? You can get it, right? So please understand that, like, this is just so so important to understand what is going on in the economy. Now prices that consumers pay for a variety of goods and services rose 8.5% in July from a year ago, a slowing pace from the previous month due to due largely to a drop in gasoline prices. On a monthly basis, prices were flat as energy prices broadly declined. 4.6% and gasoline fell 7.7%. That offset a 1.1% monthly gain in food prices and a 0.5% increase in shelter costs. Now, economists surveyed by Dow Jones were expecting headline CPI to increase 8.7% on an annual basis and 0.2% monthly. Now, if you look at this chart, the year over year change in consumer price index, let's look at where we are at the beginning of the pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic, we were at 1.5%, and we came all the way down to 0.1%. But now we've gotten all the way up here. We peaked at 9.1% last in June, and now we're at 8.5% in terms of measuring the month of July. Now, what's the main reason why prices have increased so much? Prices have increased so much because of the printing of money, right? The money has been devalued. The money has been devalued because all of it has been printed, right? And so, inflation is so important to us because your spending power, the like your spending power is going down. Twenty dollars is not going to get you pretty much. If you got twenty dollars today, twenty dollars a day is not going to get you what it got this time last year. So, this is why inflation is so 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 important now. Excluding volatile food and energy prices, so-called core CPI rose 5.9% annually and 0.3% monthly compared with respective estimates of 6.1% and 0.5%. Now, this right here is less food and energy. Now, this is what I want you to understand about this inflation is coming down and i believe that inflation has peaked but i believe it's going to continue continue to be sticky specifically with shelter and rent prices rent prices are not coming down if you get in a if you get an apartment for $1300 a month and you sign that lease for a trail 12 year lease when you get to the end of that lease next year The the, the rent is not going to go down. It's just not going to go down, y'all. And so those shelter prices, because of the lack of housing in this country, is going to be a problem for the foreseeable future. Now, even with lower than expected numbers, inflation pressures remain strong. The jump in the food index put the 12-month increase to 10.9%. The fastest pace since May 1979, butter is up 26.4% over the past year. Eggs have surged 38 percent, and coffee is up more than 20 percent. Wow. Despite the monthly drop in the energy index, electricity prices rose 1.6 percent and were up 15.2 percent from a year ago. The energy index rose 32.9 percent from a year ago. Used fuel prices posted a 0.4 percent monthly decline, while apparel prices also fell, easing 0.1 percent and transportation services were off 0.5% as airline fares fell 1.8% for the month and 7.8% from a year ago. Now, the markets reacted very positively to the report with the futures tied to the Dow Jones Industrial Average were up more than 400 points and government bond yields down sharply. Now, government bond yields are very important. When government bond yields come down, that is investors saying that they are having confidence in the economy, right? Specifically, when you're looking at the 10-year treasury note, right? The 10-year treasury note is pretty much you putting your money up for 10 years, you are getting a coupon payment, right? For pretty much having your money there, and that is a risk-free investment. Meaning That your money is pretty much backed by the faith of the United States government, which most people in the world will trust. Now things are moving in the right direction, right? Said Anita Markowska, chief economist at Jefferies. This is the most encouraging report we have had in quite some time. Now that is very very true. We needed to see the peak in inflation, and now we needed to just come down. In the right way, we need to continue to trend down. Now, the Federal Reserve's long term target for inflation is two percent, but we're not going to get to two percent anytime soon. The only thing that we need in order for investors to feel good about investing to the stock market is a defined downtrend, right? A defined downtrend of prices, of price increases increasing year over year. That's what's truly, truly going to get. Investors excited about investing into the stock market. Now, the report was good news for workers who saw a 0.5 percent monthly increase in real wages. Right, inflation-adjusted average hourly earnings were still down 3 percent from a year ago. Shelter costs, which make up about one third of the CPI weighting, wa- continue to rise and are up 5.7 percent over the past 12 months. That's going to be very, very sticky, like I just said. The numbers indicate that inflation pressures are easing somewhat, but still remain near their highest level since the early 1980s. Clogged supply chains, outsized demand for goods and services, and trillions of dollars in pandemic-related physical and monetary policy stimulus have combined to create an environment of high prices and slow economic growth that has bedeviled policymakers. The July drop in gas prices has provided some hope After prices at the pump rose past $5 a gallon, but gasoline was still up 44% from a year ago and fuel oil increased 75.6% on an annual basis, despite an 11% decline in July. Now, Federal Reserve officials are using a recipe of interest rate increases and related monetary policy tightening in hopes of beating back inflation numbers running well ahead of their 2% long run target. The central bank has hiked benchmark borrowing rates by 2.25% so far in 2022, and officials have provided strong indications that more increases are coming. There was some good news earlier this week when a New York Fed survey indicated that consumers have pared back inflation expectations for the future. But for now, the soaring cost of living remains a problem, like everything is still extremely high. While inflation has been accelerating, gross domestic product declined for the first two quarters of 2022 the combination of slow growth and rising prices is associated with stagflation while the two straight quarters of negative gdp meets a widely held definition of recession now everybody wants to put out these definitions of recession right and everybody is pretty much trying to put their own spin on it right at this point right now it's not even that like it's relevant right it's relevant but the focus is inflation. So we need to focus on inflation, right? Because if the unemployment rate is 3.5% and we're adding 528,000 jobs per month, I really don't think that we need to worry about recession as much as we need to worry about the inflation and the reasons behind the inflation, right? Now, Wednesday's inflation numbers could take some heat off the Fed. Recent commentary from policymakers has pointed towards a third consecutive. percentage point interest rate hike at the September meeting. Following the CPI report, market pricing reversed, with traders now anticipating a better chance of a lesser 0.5 percentage point move. At the very least, this report takes the pressure off of the Fed at the next meeting, Markowska said. They've been saying they're ready to deliver a 75 basis point hike if they have to. I don't think they have to anymore. Now, let's put this into perspective and let's go to the chart, right? Let's go to the chart of the S&P 500 and let's really truly see where we are right now. Now, at the end of the article, the end of the article was saying that this inflation reading that we just got takes some pressure off of the Fed. Yes, it takes some pressure off of the Fed, but the Fed is still going to be seen and the fed is still going to be expected to live up to their dual mandate which is to make sure that they have lower unemployment and they have price stability right the fed right now cannot afford not to raise interest rates a little bit higher now let me tell you again so let's go back to the to the fed funds rate and the borrowing rate right let's go back to the article and let's review that borrowing rate Right now, the borrowing rate is is between 2.25% and 2.5% on the federal funds rate. Now, what I was saying a couple of weeks ago is that for every 1% increase in the federal funds rate, that is a 10% downside to equities, right? So we are still in a bear market right now, and we will technically not be out of this so-called or defined bear market until we reach back above all-time highs. So if you look at where we were just from a percentage basis, from the all-time high all the way down to our year-to-date low, we were down 24.5%, almost 25%, right? So like I said, every 1% increase in the federal funds rate results to a 10% downside, expected downside in equities. Now, We've increased 2.25 percentage points to 2.5 percentage points, right? So that means that a 22.5 and a 25 percentage point decrease, right, in the Fed funds rate has already been priced in. So all the rate increases that the Fed has done to this point have already been priced in. Now, if the Fed were to raise rates another 75 basis points, That would put the Fed funds rate at 3% to 3.25%. Now, that downside has not quite been priced into the market. So does it mean that we're going to retest the year-to-date low if the Fed continues to raise interest rates? No, but what that means is that the market is not going to appreciate a hawkish Fed. A hawkish Fed is a Fed that is raising interest rates and having restrictive economic policy. That means that the increase in borrowing costs are going to be evident, right? the The market is really going to want a more accommodated Fed, right? Uh, a one is going to be more easy, right? The one that is not going to pretty much put too much economic activity on hold, right? But but again, The number one priority for the Fed right now is to tackle inflation. Now, if the Fed only raises 50 basis points, right, 50 basis points, that would put the Fed funds rate between 2.75% and 3%. And if that were to happen, I think that we're right outside of the cusp of us to be able to say, hey, you know what, that 50 basis point rate hike, that's already priced in especially if they only raise 25 basis points, that's definitely already priced in. But the Fed, in my opinion, needs to go ahead and continue to raise the interest rates to keep the pressure off of them. Because if they don't continue to raise interest rates, and inflation continues to pick back up to the high side, then the Fed is going to be back under the gun. They're going to be looking to the Fed and saying, hey, hey, man, hey, Fed, you dropped the ball. The Fed, like the Investors and economists believe that the Fed dropped the ball in 2020 and 2021 by continuing to use the language saying that inflation was transitory, saying that it was temporary, even though that inflation has sticked around for way longer. Than we expected. And some may argue that inflation has stayed around way longer than it was supposed to. But at the end of the day, it's already happened. And we can't really think about okay, what are the reasonings behind that at that point? So, you know, the market has been doing very, very well over the last couple of months. So let's look at let's look and see what the increase in the stock market has been since we came down to this June low, the market is up 16% from that June low. We have had some big, big increases in the stock market. We've had individual stocks like Amazon was at 101. It closed today at uh, 142. Tesla was at around 620. It closed at 883. AMD was at 71. It closed at 99. You know, Nike was at 99. It closed there at 113. Google was at 1101. It closed at 119. You know, Microsoft was was below 250. It's at 289. Apple was at 120, like at 129. It's at 169. You see, that's why when you're in the stock market, you can't afford to be asleep at the wheel, because when you be asleep at the wheel, you miss prices like these. You miss great prices because I can't even say, I can't even guarantee you that we're going to get back down to those prices. I can't see it. And so now what you need to do is you need to shift your focus and wait for those buy-in prices that you need and shift to a dollar cost averaging uh, strategy into an ETF. Now, check this out really quickly here. Let, let me delete this really quickly. All right, check this out. So understand that we've had that big increase, but even though we've had that big increase, we are still down almost 12.5% from our all-time high, right? We're down 12.5%, but we've had some big, big movements, okay? We've really, truly had some big movements. Now, I've got some levels marked off here on the chart. Now, in June... We, we had resistance at 417.62 and we had consolidation for a few days and then we dropped off and we gapped down a lot, came down year to- date low. We, we came up, we, we did some retracements, we hit a double bottom right here in July and then we moved back higher. Then we started back consolidating again around this area. This means that this means that this is, a, this is, this is an accumulation area. That means investors like to accumulate shares in this area because we have been going through consolidation in this area twice. We've done it twice, but we've broken out of that area and now we're at 419.99. Now we don't really have much resistance, right? Until we get up here to 430. Like, right, you know, like 430 is really true that resistance. So I think that we can get to 430 before the end of the month. Now there are some there are some market punnies out there that are saying that next week we could go up 7% in the market. Do not quote me on that. I'm not a financial advisor nor am I a fiduciary. I do not manage money professionally, so please do your own research before investing into any stocks. Do not quote me on that. I don't know where the market is going, but what I will say, is that we have gotten out and we have, we have slightly broken out of a consolidation range that we have been in for a while, which is really truly a big deal. So what I'm going to put on here now is some moving averages. Now these moving averages are important to understand where we are in the market. Now this yellow line is the 200-day moving average and this blue line is the 50-day moving average. Now, why is this significant? A lot of times, the 200-day moving average stocks will stocks will have a tendency to respect it when we are in a bull market. Typically, buyers like to come in at the 200-day moving average because that is what is seen as a discount to the market. For that's the seen as a discount for the market and a discount for stocks. The 50 day moving average is is an average that tends to be retested during a bull market, right? But when these moving averages cross, when these moving averages cross, technicians see that as either a bullish sign or a bearish sign. Now, when the 200 day moving average crosses over the 50 day moving average, like it has right here, let me put a little let me put a little a circle right here so we can see where they crossed that. They crossed right here in March right now, now now before I move before I move before I move any further, I want to understand that moving averages are a lagging indicator, right? The market is still going to be trading but these moving averages are lagging indicators, but when the 200-day moving average crosses over the 50-day moving average, right? that is seen as a death cross, a death cross, meaning that the market is turning bearish, right? The market is turning bearish. So a lot of times investors will short and they will trade puts to the downside because of that. Now, when the 50-day moving average crosses back above the 200-day moving average, that is seen as a golden cross, meaning that is a bullish sign for the market And that lets technicians know when they should be getting into the market, okay? So understand that from that perspective. Now, me personally, like I said, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just an amateur trader, okay? But what I will say is that I believe there's a pretty good chance that we can retest this 200-day moving average. I really, truly believe we can retest that 200-day moving average and retest this 430 level but i want to introduce another indicator that we can use to measure where we are in the market that is called rsi right which stands for relative strength index right relative strength index so pretty much what the relative strength index tells us is whether stocks are either overbought or whether stocks are oversold now let me make this now let me make this a little bit bigger now You want to start looking at the RSI from an overbought perspective when the RSI starts to creep above 70. When it creeps above 70, you want to start looking. When it gets above 80, it's way, way overbought. And you don't want to be buying stocks when the relative strength index is above 80. That's when you want to be taking profit at those levels, right? Now, let's take the reverse on the downside you want to be looking at stocks whenever the RSI drops below 30 that's when you want to start start to be looking at stocks and start to start to really truly purchase them when the RSI drops below 20 that is extremely oversold and that's an area where you want to be able to looking to look to get into the market now if you look at this we haven't been this high on the RSI since March 29 March 29th puts us around 460. I'm not saying we're getting to 460, but we're a lot lower than 460 right now. And the RSI above is above where it was back then. So we've had a lot of bullish momentum over the last couple of months. So what I want to understand is when the RSI gets above 70, we're gonna have to have a retracement before we can keep moving back higher. If, if we get above 80, we're definitely going to have to have a retracement before we keep moving back higher. So for the month of August, I think we have an opportunity to, to get some gains, to really truly be able to, for the stock market to appreciate and for you to do some short-term trading over the next month, right? But the problem is going to be what we're looking for in September, right? What are we going to be looking for in September, right? Set, what we're looking for in September is going to be very, very important. Now, before I get to the economic calendar, I want to put up one last indicator. And that indicator is going to be one of my favorites, Fibonacci. And when we look at Fibonacci, I want to look at Fibonacci on the weekly time frame. right? I want to look at Fibonacci on the weekly time frame, and I want to draw our Fibonacci retracement tool from the all-time high all the way down to a big low which happens to be our covid low now we are a, we are approaching the point 786 which is the 778.6 percentage of retracement level which is 423.83 now if we break above that that is seen as a good sign that's a good sign like normally when we're in a bull market when we're in a bull market, right now we're in a bear market, like I said, and we need the stocks to get above the all time high again before we can say we're back into a bull market and we're restarting a bull market. But in a bear market, when you see a stock come down and retest this 0.786 level and move higher, that's a buying area. So when you see that level us breaking above that and holding and staying above that on the weekly time frame would be a good long-term indicator for the market right so so just keep that in mind keep that in mind please keep all of those things that i have said in mind now before we get out of here let's look at the economic calendar and see what we have for the rest of this week and what we have next week now tomorrow we're going to be getting the producer price index right that measures the that measures the, the inflation rate for producers in the country how much is it costing for companies to produce things right that is likely going to move the market Friday we have the university of michigan consumer sentiment index that pretty much just tells us how do consumers feel about spending money right now right next week we don't have a lot going on in terms of major economic news except for retail sales. I believe retail sales on Wednesday will move the market some, but the main thing we look into is that we've got big box retailers reporting earnings. We've got Walmart and Home Depot reporting earnings next Tuesday. We've got Target and Lowe's reporting earnings next Wednesday, along with TJ Maxx and companies. And we've got Analog Devices, an important semiconductor company reporting next Wednesday. Now, Walmart came out and they and they gave us a profit warning. I believe they gave us a profit warning and a revenue warning. And the stock market tanked, specifically Walmart tanked on that news. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves is, regardless of what Walmart reports, even if it's positive or even if it's negative, has that Walmart report already been priced in to stocks like Home Depot and stocks like Target and stocks like Lowe's, right? That's why I say when we look at the S&P 500 and we look at the chart, It's not going to be a straight move up to the upside, right? We're going to be moving and we're going to be trading in a range. Now, the good thing is that we don't have the Federal Reserve making any more policy decisions. So what the Fed does from an interest rate perspective is not going to be very important. However, I do believe that the Fed will be meeting at the Jackson Hole Symposium to speak a little bit. But I think that will probably only affect the market for about a day or so. And then the market will continue to move on as necessary. So pretty much what I'm saying is that I believe that we have a good chance to finish the month of August strong. But once we get into September and and the trading volume comes back, right now trading, trading volume is very, very low, simply because we're in the summertime. And we don't have a lot of traders really, truly sitting at their desk. Right now, we're trading against a lot of algorithms right now. That's why news moves the market so swiftly right now, because the algorithms are really, truly controlling the market. We're going to know how people feel about the market in September. In September, we're going to know how people feel about the market, because we're going to have another Fed meeting, and the Fed is going to see more economic data and people are going to be coming back off of vacation and actually truly coming, coming into the market and trading with the charts. Because let's look at the average volume. Let's just look at the average volume of the S&P 500. If you look down here to the right, you know, the average volume for the S&P 500 over the last 10 days has been 63 million. Now the volume today was a little bit higher than the average volume over the last 10 days because we had some key economic data come out today. We had that inflation number. But normally you would see 10 day volume hover around 90 million, hover over a 100 million, like well over 100 million when you have normal trading ranges. okay. So just keep that in mind as we understand what we need to do from a trading perspective understand where we are from an RSI perspective that we may be oversold and you might not want to start new positions just yet. And you might just want to pick out and just make sure, make sure that you pick your spots and make sure that you be careful when you are trading and investing in this market. Now, as always, I appreciate y'all for tapping into the trade for yourself podcast as always. Okay. Please like the video, please like the video please subscribe, please share and get this information out to the people because we need to make building wealth a priority for our lives. Again, I appreciate y'all. And I thank y'all for getting me over 100 subscribers for my channel, for my podcast, because this is very, very important. Just because, just because I'm over hundred right now, it doesn't mean I'm slowing down. It doesn't mean I'm stopping. It's just motivation to keep going because I understand what this community can be. And I understand that I can add value to people and continue to give you all the information that you need to be able to trade and invest in the stock market for yourself. So remember, don't pay for it. Trade for it. We'll catch y'all in the next one.